what a difference a week had made. Uh, We talked last week about the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and people uh, laying their coats on the on the road so that the the mule that or the donkey that he was riding uh, wouldn't touch the ground and the palm branches and the the singing the hosanna and uh, to culminate by the end of the week with his crucifixion his burial and then the empty tomb on Sunday morning and that's what we're here to celebrate this morning that empty tomb. Um, but it was between last Sunday when we spoke of his entry to this Sunday. Boy, did a lot happen uh, in, the city of, in the city of Jerusalem. And uh, they went from celebrating his arrival to, uh, to his arrest and his uh, unjust trials, the trials that took place that night. Every one of them were, was illegal. And they just, they were, they were thirsty to have Jesus hung on the cross and crucified. And so... Um, we, we think of this sometimes and we, we think about the injustice and we think about the uh, unfairness of, of the events that took place that week, but we have to remember that from Jesus' perspective, it was also very intentional. This is why Jesus came. Jesus told his disciples in Mark chapter 10, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So while the, the, as these events unfolded throughout the Holy Week, this is what Jesus came for. This is why he was on earth. He came so that he would die for your sins and for mine. And so a lot of the things that Jesus did uh, throughout his ministry were very intentional, and that included making the religious leaders angry with him. Um, he claimed to be the Messiah, which is, in essence was saying, look, I've got more authority than you guys. He, he did miracles that, that backed up his claims. He, he had no regard for all the extra laws and restrictions and regulations that the Pharisees had. And uh, he angered them when he would heal on the Sabbath or he allowed his disciples to gather grain to eat on the Sabbath. Jesus pointed out their hypocrisy, their pride, and their arrogance, and they hated him for it. But it was very intentional because Jesus knew that's what it would take for them to um, try him and crucify him on that cross. And so Jesus did all these things on purpose, knowing that it threatened their identity and their way of life. And so I just want to ask as we get started this morning, has Jesus threatened your identity? Has he threatened your way of life? Right? We work so hard on, on our identity, like we, uh, we want to portray a certain image, right? Probably if you're like me, you, you, got, you dress a little nicer this morning. I don't normally have a tie on on Sunday morning. I thought it's Easter Sunday. I'll put, put my tie on, this pink or coral or I don't know, somebody help me. <laughs> this Easter colored shirt, right? We, so we, we think about the image that we're portraying. We want to be known for maybe our intelligence or our hard work or our sense of humor, our sense of style. Um, we feel like our value and our worth is tied up in the job we have or the car we drive or the home we live in, the clothes we wear. 
We want to have good standing. We want to be respected. We want to be looked up to. We want to be proud of what we've accomplished. We want people to look at us and think, yeah, they've got it together. They're doing all right. Jesus had it all. He was in heaven with the Father, and he left the glory of heaven to come to earth to serve us, to give his life for us. He humbled himself. He gave sacrificially. And so he asks us, look, don't just look to your own interests, but also look to the interests of others. We don't always like that, do we? And so I wonder if sometimes Jesus threatens our identity, if he threatens our way of life. Because when he went, even as he went to the cross, we, we're going to look at this morning the two criminals that he was crucified with and, uh, and, and what their response was. And so what is, let me just ask this question as we get started this morning. What is your response to Jesus this morning? And with that, we're going to open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father... We are just so grateful for what you've done for us. We didn't deserve for you to come. We were, we're sinners, we're guilty, we deserve to be punished with death, and yet you came, you lived a perfect life, you died on the cross for our sins, and you didn't stay there in the grave, but you rose again on the third day, and so we celebrate that this morning. Lord, as we look at this, this short window of time as you hung on the cross with a, a criminal on either side of you, would you help us to understand that we too have a decision this morning to make? What will we do with this Savior, Jesus. And so, Lord, help us to uh, see clearly from your word this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 23. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to it. If you're at home this morning, uh, get your Bibles out. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 23, verses starting in verse 32. And uh, if, if you want to read along or you can look on the screen uh, with me this morning. Uh, so we've, we've kind of talked about there, was this, there were multiple trials. Jesus was uh, brought before Pilate who ultimately gave him over to be crucified. They took him to um, uh, outside of the city to be crucified and this is where we're going to pick it up in verse 32 of Luke chapter 23. It says, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. So these verses kind of set the scene for us. Jesus was brought out to be crucified. It says it's at the place of the skull, or we call it Calvary, uh, also called Gol Golgotha. And uh, by this time, Jesus has been scourged by the Roman soldiers, which means his, he's been whipped, his 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 back is just, the flesh on his back has just been destroyed. It's, it's been opened up. He's had the crown of thorns put on his head. He's been beaten. He's bleeding. He's weak. Was not even able to carry his own cross. Um, and so he's just at a, in a very weakened state. They bring him to the place called the skull. And with these two other criminals, uh, they nail their hands and feet to the cross. And the crosses are 
set up. And this is when Jesus first speaks um, as he's there on the cross and he says these words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can you imagine that? Knowing that you had been unjustly accused, unjustly tried, just savagely beaten, uh, almost to the point of death. He probably would have, if he had not hung on the cross that day, he was, he was in a, such a condition that any normal man or woman in that condition would end up dead anyways. And his words are, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I read that and I think, well, they knew exactly what they were doing. The, those leaders, they knew he was innocent. They knew he hadn't done anything wrong. And yet, um, on the other hand, they were blinded and they didn't understand what they were doing. And Jesus had actually told his disciples the night before, um, as they prepared to, uh, as he was preparing them for after he was gone, he told them, they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And so perhaps these Jewish leaders in some sense thought they were doing the will of God to, to crucify this man who, who, was, who they felt was a man yet claimed to be God. So here he is, in excruciating pain, alone. He's been abandoned by his disciples and his first thoughts were forgiveness for those who had so severely mistreated him. And there's a whole message here just within this statement, but I'll just um, ask this this morning. Is there someone that you are withholding forgiveness from? Someone who has treated you poorly, someone who has treated you wrongly, maybe someone who has done something that you would consider unforgivable, yet we find Jesus treated, there's there's not enough words to describe how Jesus was treated, how how far he had been wronged and his thought was forgiveness for those who had done that to him. Today would be a great day to forgive someone that you've been holding forgiveness from. When you withhold that forgiveness, the, the person you're hurting the most is yourself. There's no peace, there's no joy without, when you're holding bitterness and forgive, unforgiveness in your heart. So who, who might you have to forgive today? But as we look at these verses, I wanna, we're gonna focus here on a few verses just further along. Uh, so we'll just keep moving. But as we look at these verses, we see Old Testament prophecy after Old Testament prophecy fulfilled. Isaiah 53 says that he would be numbered with, his, with the transgressors he bore the sins of many and he makes intercession for the transgressors. So he's got criminal on each side and he is offering, he's praying for forgiveness for these ones that had wronged him, uh, fulfilling this prophecy. In Psalm chapter 22, it says that all who see me will mock me, they will make mouths at me and they'll wag their heads. They'll divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. And so here we see the soldiers mocking him. We see Uh, The religious leaders mocking him, saying, hey, he saved others. Let him save himself if he really is the son of God. Let's see him save himself. He was being mocked. The soldiers were were gambling to see who would get his clothes. In Psalm chapter 69, it says, for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. And here we see the soldiers offering him this sour wine fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy that had been given hundreds of years before. But we're going to really focus this morning on the response of these two criminals, the 
hung there with Jesus. Uh, now, these guys, we're not talking about petty thieves, you know, street shoplifters. These guys were, crucifixion was reserved for the worst of criminals, probably murderers, probably had committed crimes against the Roman Empire, and uh, the, the leaders of Rome, they wanted to make an example of these guys to say, look, if you're going to behave in this way, this is, this is what you can expect. And so, these guys deserved what they were getting. And it says here in Luke chapter 23, verse 30. Nine, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, this railed at Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So this first criminal, he joined the crowd in mocking Jesus. It actually says he railed at him. Uh, Maybe your translation says he hurled insults at Jesus. He, he joined in the mockery. Hey, if you're really God, why don't you get down from there? If you're going to get down from there, why don't you bring me with you? There's no remorse for what he had done. He was, he was not hoping, he was not repentant. He was not thinking, man, I've really messed up. I need to do better. I need to turn my life around. If there was any sincerity in, in what he said at all, he was just hoping to get down off that cross to continue to live another day, to do what he wanted to do, to continue to live his life of, of rebellion and crime. There was, no, there was no sense that, man, I've done wrong, I should submit myself to God. And maybe some of us this morning have the same attitude. Right? Maybe we're not sitting here mocking God where he, we came, we sang songs already. You're aware that there's a God that he created the world? Why would you be here on Easter Sunday if you didn't have some sense of belief that there's a God? Probably a, a, a knowledge that Jesus died on the cross. But when it comes right down to it, you just don't really have time for it all. This is the first criminal. He mocked Jesus. He just wanted to get down and continue to live his life. And he thought maybe Jesus would just help him to do that. Submitting to God, living under his authority, right? Just kind of cramps our style. So we don't want to have too much of that. The second criminal had something to say to him. And I think he would have something to say to any of us that might have that attitude today. He said, do you not fear God? Do you not realize who this man is? He's innocent. This is the Messiah. This really is the chosen one. This is the one that came to save us. And you're mocking him. You're railing against him. You just want him. He's convenient. So you think maybe he'll help you off here. And, and, And the second criminal rebukes him. We're we're all up here receiving punishment. We deserve to be here, and yet this man's done nothing wrong, and you are hurling insults at him. Don't you fear God? I think that both of these guys probably knew who Jesus was. 
They both were aware that he was the chosen one. They both were aware that he was the Messiah. And the second one indicates from his questions, don't you fear God indicates, man, I, I have a fear of God in my, in my life. I know that, that God created the world. He's a supreme ruler. And he's recognizing, man, I've, I've lived a, a terrible life, but this man is God. He's done nothing wrong. And man, what a place to be for these two criminals. They'd been arrested. Uh, no longer were they getting away with all the things they'd got away with, all their crimes, all their sins had caught up to them. And they found themselves sentenced to death, one on either side of the man who could save them. One hurled insults, and the other, he says, Do you not fear God? We're being punished justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, verse 41 says, but this man has done nothing wrong. And isn't that what we say to someone as they're, as they're as learning about God and, and what does it mean to have a relationship with God? We say, well, well, first we believe that God created the world and everything in it, and, and he has a plan for us, and he's perfect, and, and, and we're not. And that's what this guy's saying, man, I'm on this cross, and I deserve to be here because I've done wrong. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's just a simple prayer, essentially, right? Isn't prayer just a conversation with God? And this this man has Jesus right there beside him. And he says, I know that you're God. You've lived the perfect life. You don't deserve to be here. But I deserve to be here. Will you remember me? Jesus had just a simple response to him. He says, truly I say to you, some translations, verily, verily, or I tell you the truth. We see this, Jesus makes this uh, introductory statement often when he is getting to say something that's profound, when he's getting ready to say something that we need to pay attention to. He said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. One criminal mocked and railed at him. The other one said, this man is the son of God. And Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now the key here isn't, well, well what does it mean to be in paradise? Uh, where, where do we go when we die? Here's the key. We'll be with Jesus. That is our hope. Jesus promises to us in this life that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, and the promise for the next life is that we will go to be with him. So the question is, well, where's Jesus? Hebrews chapter 10 says, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. After Jesus' death, he went and he sat down at the right hand of God and this criminal who deserved to die for his sins went there to be with him. He had nothing to offer. He had no time left on this earth to serve Jesus. He offered, he offered no tithes and no offering to, in, in, to the temple. He had no opportunity to do good after his conversion, and yet Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Now that's the grace of God. If there's, if there's grace of God to be seen, it's right here in these verses. 
Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine says, for by grace we've been saved through faith. This is not of ourselves. It's not our own doing. It's a gift of God, not the results of work so that no one could boast. This, this criminal on the, being crucified beside Jesus, he had nothing to boast over. He had, a, he had a past full of sin, of crime, of brutality, of uh, seeking pleasure, putting himself first. He had no time left to offer Jesus in the future. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Because of his faith, he received the gift of God on that cross. It wasn't his own doing. He just had faith. They both had the same opportunity. One mocked Jesus the other one called out in repentance. Both of them knew he was the Messiah. Both of them knew that he was God's son. One mocked and one called out in repentance. I'm gonna be fairly short here this morning, but somewhat to the point. Each one of us this morning, we must align ourselves with one of these men. You're here this morning, I'm gonna make this assumption, you're here this morning because you believe there's a God. Uh, Easter is about the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you're here this morning either because you believe it or you came to appease someone who does believe it. Apologize if that's too blunt. Sarah, Sarah will let me know afterwards. <laughs> right, so we have this acknowledgement within the room that there is a God in heaven. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Will you be like the criminal who mocks him? Or will you be like the criminal who says, this is the son of God, don't you fear? I fear God, don't you? Jesus promised that when we put our faith and trust in him, he will be with us in this life and we will have the opportunity to be with him in the next life. But if we reject him like the other criminal, then there is eternal suffering awaiting, awaiting that person. Do we want to live our own life or are we willing to live a life for God? It's the cross that separates eternal life from eternal death. So we're celebrating this morning, not because Jesus hung on the cross between two criminals, but because after they buried him, he rose from the dead on the third day. And he said to the criminal who repented, you'll be with me in paradise. And he says to us today, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, one day you'll be with him in paradise. So on that third day, when the women came, it was the first day of the week, they came with the spices and they came with the ointment and they came to see Jesus. They were full of grief. They were full of mourning. Their friend Jesus, he was their Messiah. He was their leader. He was their teacher. He was dead. They came to anoint his body. And Luke chapter 24 gives us account of that first day of the week. It says, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb. This was, these were the women. Taking the spices they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men came 
and stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as, and as they were frightened and bowed their heads to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Why do you seek the living among the dead? And that's what we, um, we're so excited this morning. We're celebrating the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The question that I've got for you this morning, are you celebrating Jesus as your Savior this morning? Or are you celebrating Jesus as somebody's savior, but not yours? Which criminal represents you? The one who mocked Jesus? Maybe you could even say he wanted Jesus for the things that Jesus could get for him. He really was just gonna live his own life, but if Jesus threw some perks in there for him, he'd take them. Or were you like the other criminal who said, this is the son of God. He didn't do anything wrong, but here he is dying for my behalf. We all have that decision to make. And so my prayer is that you find hope this morning in a living Savior. Why don't you bow your heads with me? I've already said probably most of you, if not all of us here this morning, believe that there's a God I wonder, do you believe that he would forgive your sins? If you've never accepted Jesus as your savior, you could do that this morning. Like the second criminal, acknowledging that Jesus is God. Admitting that you are a sinner deserving the payment of death, unable to save yourself. You've got nothing to offer God except that you would put your faith and trust in Jesus this morning. That Jesus died on the cross for your sins, an, an innocent person. He didn't pay for his sins, he had no sin, but he was willing to die so that we might have life. It's as simple as just believing that. Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that he didn't stay dead, but he rose on the third day and the hope that and the belief that he rose gives me hope that I too one day will go to be with you as you've promised. And you can believe that this morning. You can just say a simple prayer. Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. I want to be with you one day. I'm putting my faith and trust that your death paid for my sins. Just pray that prayer this morning. Maybe we've got some Christians here this morning just having a hard, hard time. The pull, pull of sin and the, the temptations of the world are strong. And maybe just this morning you've been living more for yourself than for the Lord. Not like this, the, the criminal who mocked Jesus, but kind of like him in the sense that you take Jesus for what the perks that he'll give, but mostly you just want to do your own thing. Jesus offered forgiveness to those ones that put him on the cross. And he offers forgiveness to us this morning when we confess our sins. And so maybe there's some here this morning that just need to say, Jesus, 
you're already my savior. I've already put my faith and trust in you, but man, I have, I've just been living for myself. I've been living for what I can make of myself, for what I can provide for my family, for, for the status that I can um, acquire here on this earth, but I need to change my focus. I need to change my thinking. I need to be thinking about eternal things. I need to uh, be willing to say, Lord, whatever you have for me, that's gonna be my priority. And you can just confess that you've been living for yourself this morning and that you really need to be living for the Lord. And the Bible tells us that when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And maybe that's what you need to do this morning. And then I know there's some here this morning that um, they have given their lives to you. Uh, They didn't just pray a prayer and say, Uh, Lord, thank you for being my savior. I confess I'm a sinner, but they've given their lives in service to you. If that's you this morning, I would just encourage you to just say a prayer of thanksgiving. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I didn't deserve it. And I wanna continue to live my life for you, to follow your example of humbly submitting myself to the Father, humbly serving others, humbly telling other people about the goodness of a relationship with Jesus. Lord, I know that you're calling us to submit to you. Maybe some this morning for the very first times. Maybe, maybe for some of us this morning, confessing our sins and others just celebrating as we continually lay ourselves down for you, Lord. God, I pray that as we leave here this morning, it wouldn't just be another cute, quaint Easter service, that we're here to celebrate what Jesus has done, but that excitement, that celebration, that passion would carry over into our week and into the weeks and into the months and into the year where we would say, Lord, we want to live for you. We want to follow your example. We want to be a church that's excited about what God's done for us and what God can do for those that don't know him. Lord, I pray that this morning would be the morning where we're spurred to action, that we're encouraged to live our lives for you above all because you gave and you lived your life for us. Lord, thank you for your your sacrifice on the cross for us. Thank you that we can celebrate this this morning together. Thank you that this is all possible because you live. We serve a risen Savior. I pray this in Jesus' name.